please stand for the gospel lesson. I believe the, uh, the people who put together the lectionary were feeling particularly medieval because it's Lent and they have very, very long passages. So you get to stand for a long, beautiful story, okay? It's part of your Lenten repentance. The good news according to John, the ninth chapter. As Jesus was passing by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seen. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others says, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? And he answered, The man called Jesus, made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. And they said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. And some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then, he, how then does he now see? And his parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner and he answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. And they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, you wouldn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, you're his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we don't know where he comes from. And the man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You don't know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. 
We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered him, you were born in utter sin. Would you teach us? And then they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Then Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. And this is the gospel of our Lord. I don't know if you guys saw me fumbling with my reading glasses halfway through that passage. Uh, I never needed readers until just a couple years ago. All of a sudden, I'm looking at the same font, and I'm like, why is that font so tiny? It looks like it shrank from 12 to 4. What's happening here? Uh, and it's a little disconcerting for me. Anybody else has had eye trouble at any time in your life? That needs a little help, from some, help some outside help. Uh, my, my number one affliction uh, in life as a young child was actually my eyesight. So my eyesight was so bad, they gave me these bifocals, you know, where the bottom half is like super, like, Amplified or whatever, the, uh, not amplified, whatever, but, you know, made large, and the others look normal. So you walk around with these like googly eyes, and I couldn't see anything. Uh, Brian Stebbin hates and loves this story. I like to tell the one year I tried to play baseball, I would just see the ball coming, and it, I only heard two things from the crowd, which was either good eye, which was entirely not true, I just didn't swing, and so it'd be a foul, or strike out. Those are the only two things I ever heard strike and good eye. Uh, never did I hear the sound of my bat hitting the ball. And the day that I quit, two-thirds through the season, was the time I was really going to go for it, and I swung at the ball on the right, and the one on the left hit me right in the temple. I was like, I'm done here. I'm done with this. So I got surgery in sixth grade, uh, and corrective eye surgery. They did some crazy things with my muscles to move them and push them back, and then I couldn't move my eyes to the right or the left for a while while they're healing, so my brothers would sneak up behind me and clap really hard, so I'd do that and, you know, all sorts of wonderful things, so... I have lots of feelings about eyesight, uh, about being able to see things, um, but eyes are amazing if you think about it. Pretty much everything is amazing if you stop to think about it long enough, but eyes in particular, I was in Central America recently, and uh, I was sleeping in the jungle out in the dark by myself in this little, what they call a jungalo, uh, and I saw all kinds of critters, but the one thing I didn't get to see, because they only come out at night, were the night monkeys. These little night monkeys, I've only seen pictures of them now, and their eyes are like this big on their heads. And it's because they can see perfectly in the dark. Uh, so their eyes are designed in such a way that they can take in every little bit of residual light that's in the universe. And evidently, they can only see, they're monochromatic, so they can only see shades of gray, kind of like you're looking at a night vision situation, so that they can see the most things in the dark. Of course, I couldn't see them not having night monkey eyes. But vision is amazing. See, eyes, what they do, you, not to insult your intelligence, but they convert traveling electromagnetic waves, in other words, a light, into electrochemical signals, which the, go into the brain, 
and then your brain processes it into an image. See, light hits this retina, which is a light-sensitive layer of tissue in the back of your eye. Special cells called photoreceptors turn the light into electric signals, and then they go into the brain. And the brain turns the signals into images you can see like your own personal movie. And so when you see something, there's light coming for you to be able to see it. The light comes into your eyeballs, and then this goes into your brain and eventually filters into your heart and to your will and to your choices. Think about that. Everything you see at some level is simply light reflecting into your own internal personal movie screen and the narratives you put upon what you see and how that affects what you do and what you want and what you desire in the world. To think about this a little more deeply and also to understand the passage that we heard read about Jesus with the blind man, it's important sometimes to go back to the very beginning. Back to the beginning of the Holy Scriptures, Genesis chapter 1 through 3, an account of the beginning of all things, where at the beginning the main characters that God creates are named Adam and Eve. And they are formed from dust and the ground. And it says there's a spirit that comes and water, and out of this is made clay, and the spirit is breathed into these human beings. And God has made all this stuff, and he says, look, it's good, this is good, the world's good, this thing I made is good, light's good. You know, plants are good. All of this is good. The animals are good. But these human beings, wow. Take a look at them. Very good, right? He makes them very, very good to live in shalom and peace and universal flourishing with God so that it says he'll come down and walk in the cool of the day with them and speak to them and instruct them and teach them and point out things to them and they get to name things with him and they get to see one another and it says that they are naked and they feel no Shame. They looked upon each other's full humanity, body, soul, mind, heart, all of it, and there was nothing to separate them. It was just no shame. It was just beautiful to see. Imagine that. And then as the story goes on by Genesis chapter 3, they make this crucial decision to live by their own lights, if you will. To live by their own lights, apart from God, using their own wisdom, wisdom from someone else that is counter to the wisdom of God, to do what they saw fit in their own eyes, rather than by the light of God's instruction. And when they left the light of God, when they decided to live by their own lights, to do what was right in their own eyes, they suddenly could no longer see God. God comes walking they're hiding in the bushes. Where are you? He says, I was afraid of you, so I hid myself from you, God. Something new here. Something new and dark in human experience. When they left the light of God, they could no longer see God. When they left the light of God, they could no longer see themselves or each other fully. They felt shame and they hid. They darkened their nakedness with fig leaves to clothe and hide from God and from one another and from what they saw in the mirror, if you will. It darkened their ability to see one another's glory, and so they turned on each other. They began blaming one another for everything that was wrong. Instead of that accepting full embrace of love they had as partners, now they're pointing fingers. When they left the light of God, they could also no longer see the world as abundant and welcoming in a place they were sent out to play and cultivate no longer was the world a simple paradise, but now it was also a place of thorns and toil, of threat and wild animals and danger. It became very, very, very hard to see themselves 
as God's beloved kings and queens with him and under him, as sons and daughters of this majestic creator of all things, they now saw themselves also as rebellious children, as a brother who might murder you, as a parent who might violate you, as a stranger or a warrior or an enemy that might kill you. They would see much new in themselves and one another, but they became blind to much of what God had created them to see. They became blind to be able to see us as he sees us. And in short, to be able to see again, they'd have to become believers. Those who hope for and trust in what they can't yet see with their own eyes. He said, I will send you a Christ. I will send you a Messiah. He will deal with this problem. Trust in him. And in this trust, Adam and Eve conceive and give a child. It's from your seed that Christ will come. That's why he named her the mother of all the living. It's in hope that they began to look for this promise. Adam and Eve became ones who would have to choose to believe or not to believe, to wait to see the promised one who would deliver them and make all things right again, to look for and try to see his salvation, his healing, his light, leading them back into God's presence. Again, friends, why do we experience all of this darkness within ourselves, turmoil, confusion, lostness, in our relationships that are full of shame and blame rather than acceptance and embrace, in this vague sense that it would be nice to know God, but we can't find the courage to come out of the bushes and let him find us. This is because humanity has turned away from the light of our lives and of our world. Like Adam and Eve, we have chosen and continue to choose to follow our own lights, to do what is right in my eyes as an individual. And Christianity in the Bible calls this a sort of blindness, a real blindness. And we saw it again in our gospel story this morning. Just hear a few verses. I'm obviously not going to read the whole thing again, but in chapter 9, Jesus passes by and he sees he sees a man. He sees the man is blind since he was born. The first thing his followers ask him, hey, whose fault is this? We need someone to point the finger at. Is he like this because he's the sinner or because his parents sinned and it got pat? Like, who's at fault here? And Jesus says, neither of these things. What I see in him is not just fault or blame or even blindness. What I see when I look at this man is a person who is here so that the works of God might be displayed in and through him. That's what I see. Why don't you watch and see if it's true? I am the light of the world, he says. And so let's do the works of the light. He spits on the ground, he takes that dust. The water spits into it, makes that clay, wipes it on the man's eyes, tells him to go to a pool that means scent and wash and come back. And it says he went and did it. He washed and he came back seeing. Have you ever missed out? You know, you find someone, everyone's laughing in a room, but you don't get the joke. Have you ever just gotten to something crazy that happened and everyone's like, you don't, you missed it. You didn't see what happened. And 
everyone else saw it and you didn't get to see it? Have you ever been in the dark, if you will? It's kind of a lonely feeling. Perhaps you've ever been blindfolded. Another thing we did in Central America a few weeks ago when I was leading this retreat is we went into a dark bat cave and we went deep, deep, deep into the cave and then we turned off all of our headlamps and sat in the dark for a minute. It's wild. What about spiritual darkness, the inability to see? Have you ever felt the same way? Like, I don't know, those people seem like they have some clue. They seem something, I don't know, it's joyful or it's content or it's, I don't, I don't, I feel like I missed out on that. Maybe there's a joke and everyone's laughing. I don't, I don't know, I don't get it. This spiritual darkness, this inability to see can take many forms. Think about all the things that obscure sight. Tears can obscure your sight. Distraction obscures real scene. Heads down, navel gazing can obscure your sight and the view. Staring at your smartphone all day pretty much obscures your sight. In the context of Genesis, desiring and longing after fruit that God has not given to you obscures your ability to see. Shame obscures our ability to see and be seen. Blame obscures God's light in other people. Jesus put it this way, hey, wherever you treasure something, wherever you're hoping, whatever you're longing for, whatever you treasure, wherever that is, that's where your heart is gonna go also. And so be careful because your eye, what you're looking at, is the lamp of your body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. That is, if you desire the right things, if you're looking for the right things, light is gonna just come into your body and fill you. You're gonna see the works of God displayed in and through this human. But if your eye is bad, if you're looking at the wrong things, seeing the wrong things, desiring the wrong things, your whole body will be full of darkness. You'll find yourself down, dark, confused, alone. And man, if there was some light in you and that becomes darkness, how great is that darkness, Jesus says. See, let's say that we are what the Bible says we are. We're imago Dei, we're images, we're reflections, we're icons of God himself, each one of us and together. If we choose not to reflect God's light, then we get darkened. The reflection is harder to see. At best, we're trying to find and reflect whatever little bits of light we can find in the universe, just a little bit more and more, but it's so refracted and reflected so many times, a hall of mirrors in the darkness that we're not sure we can see it. And so we grab whatever we can, a little bit of wisdom, a little bit of light from that sacred text or this meme or that philosophy or this person or this experience. But William Temple warns and promises this, an old writer. The man blind from birth is every man. It is a part of that sin of the world that the Lamb of God bears away, that by nature we are blind until our eyes are opened by Christ, who is the light of the world. Now here's a simple test. I have some applications of that in a second. But here's a simple test of whether you are letting in God's light more and more, trying to see the right things, trying to have a good eye, or whether you're letting it become darkness. 
They could start with the easier things. When you look around at the world, what do you see? Do you only see darkness? Because the Pharisees and some of these other people, including the blind man's parents, are seeing some miraculous stuff. But they can only interpret it as darkness. Why do we only tell and consume the bad news over and over again? Why is your default loop how bad things are, how much you don't have, what's not working for you? And what do you see in your neighbor? Only threat? Mainly threat? Competition? What do you see out in the world, around you, in nature, in cities, in the universe? Do you mostly or primarily see darkness? Or are you seeing and looking for and searching for the good eye that sees light, God's light, but also sees God's light reflected, seeing it showing up in places where people don't expect it, like this blind man? Are you seeing the overlooked places that God is working? Are you seeing the good news, even if it isn't shouted from the rooftops or displayed on the cable news 24-7? Do you still see the light in your neighbor's eyes, even though they're still full of mistakes and suffering and sin, but that somehow can't erase that light that's still in there? Do you see hope in the regenerative properties of this planet despite human mismanagement? Do you see light anywhere? If the answer is I'm not sure, but I want to, then how do we see again? How do we get our full sight back? And I want you to hear these couple of things. First, Jesus passed by. He saw the man blind from birth. The good news of Christianity is that God, no matter what you think he is or who he is or whether he exists or not, said that he gave the most full revelation, the clearest picture of who he is in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth, who is the Christ. And that this Jesus tells us everything we need to know about God to live life here and to have salvation. And what we see is that Jesus sees us. The blind man can't see Jesus how much of your day do you feel like you actually can't see or experience God? I bet a lot of it. Jesus sees us. And he sees us rightly. He sees us fully. He knows that this man is blind and he's been blind since birth. But then he sees him with compassion. Not just what's been done wrong or the, you know, the tough deck of cards that was dealt to this guy, but the opportunity, the possibility the capacity for this man to become a ray of light, refracting God's ultimate light. Spiritually speaking, Jesus is the only person who's ever lived that has 20-20 vision. He sees God clearly. As he grew up, he sees himself clearly in light of the scriptures, knowing what he was called to do and to be. He sees people fully, us fully, and he sees the world rightly. Not that this man sinned, nor his parents, no one to point fingers at, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Notice this positivity and joy when Jesus encounters true blindness and vulnerability. Like this guy's actually blind, physically, and he's vulnerable, and he's open, and he receives help. So Jesus says, don't start with pointing the fingers. Don't even only look at the brokenness. Look at what was original in this man and with what is now possible as we get him back to his original purpose. 
Look at God and the work he will do. Look at God's work being displayed. Look at me, the light of the world, working in and through this blind man. Jesus is saying a point. That's the point of life. That's the point of God's work. Seeing the glory of God, the light of God. That's why we got to get busy doing the work while it's day. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. See, when Jesus is around, it's daytime. It's not sleepy time. It's work time. When he's gone, it's sleepy time as far as God's work goes. He's the light of the world. That light that we know, even can feel it streaming through these windows here now. This light that creates, warms things, nourishes, sustains, gives us all the things we need for life. Also enables us to see God, to see the world as good, to see humans. That means us as very good as we were originally designed, as we are destined in and through Christ to become again. Jesus sees all of this, and he sees all things through the eyes of love. God is love, the scriptures tell us. And his work of salvation is to see us through the eyes of love. It's the demonstration of Jesus' life was that he was giving himself away in love that we might receive the love of God and one another and even of the world again through him. And so if we want to be people to see the good in the world, to see the good in one another, and when I say to see the good, I mean God, to see the life of God working in our time and place, in our relationships, in our work, in our families, in our community, in our church, we must know that we're in the dark. And when you're in the dark, you need to get close to the light to be able to see what's going on. We need to get close to and look at Jesus. Seeing the Jesus who sees us through the eyes of love and getting close to him over and over again is how our sight is restored. How we begin to believe that God really is good and present and healing and full of light and life, that he is the light of the world, that the things he is doing are amazing and glorious, and that he loves us and this world. And so you recalled here, the early Christians, when they got baptized, they did like this man was done, they sent down to wash and to come back with this sight. The early Christians called baptism photismos, enlightenment. So we're called to be illuminated and to be a city on a hill, to be a torch that's held up for all to see, to be with Jesus as part of the light of the world. And so if you want to see straight, then keep looking at Jesus until you can see straight. These are a couple of really practical applications. You can start today for the first time or for the thousandth time and pray like this man and other people have done, uh, the blind folks that Jesus healed in the scriptures. They say, Lord, I'm a blind beggar. I'm lost without eyes to see. Help me to see. Open my eyes. Open my eyes to your work and to your wonders in and through Jesus. You can read the Gospels or have them read to you if you have trouble seeing. Hear the stories of Jesus' work and what he's done. 
and help it to transform your mind and your heart and your will to take in these new images and this new information and to transform you from within. Reflect as you're doing this morning together on God's life and love and light in the context of Christian community. There is a sense in which we begin to see seeing is believing, and then believing becomes seen in this reciprocal relationship. And it's hard sometimes. This is a bit of an aside that I won't go into, but it doesn't go easy for this man. He gets healed, and that's great, and he can see well now, but then he's excommunicated from the church, basically, the synagogue. And everyone's opposing him, and they're all upset. And it's all because they're right there in front of Jesus, and they see what God's doing, but they see threat. They see a person who doesn't have the right credentials. They see a person who's not following the rules that they like. They see all the things through the prism of their particular religion that they've built on top of the Old Testament and added to, that they can no longer even see the Messiah nor believe him when he's right in front of them. And he said, this is a worse kind of blindness than mere physical blindness. And this is a problem from religious people or self-righteous secular people is that we don't want to be open and vulnerable. We're constantly seeking someone else to blame and to shame, and so we miss Christ. If you were looking at Jesus, will you immediately have 2020 vision like him? No. Not at all. It's just that you begin the journey of finding God's light beautiful and to call darkness darkness and to call light light you begin to see a little bit better the beauty and color and richness of God and yourself and community and relationships and the planet. It's as if the light that was within us becomes full of more light. In fact, in another healing almost identical to this one, Jesus takes the blind man he spits on his eyes, lays hands on him. He asks him, do you see anything? And the man looks up and says, I see men that look like trees walking around. You know? So Jesus lays his hands on his eyes again, opens his eyes, and then his sight was fully restored. You might say the entire Christian life is between those two healings. We were blind. Now I see men like trees walking. I see some of it. That's pretty cool. There's some stuff happening out there I didn't see before. But we're still awaiting that final touch when we see everything rightly. We see everything in light of God's light and his Christ and his love. And so maybe most of the Christian life is the in-between those two healings. Maybe we're more like the night monkeys that are monochromatic. Don't see all the color. Don't really want to see things in the full light yet. Aren't ready for it. We'd go blind. But we begin to see more and more. And then things that we used to be numb to or blind to start to get into our brains and our thought patterns and into our hearts and our affections and into our wills and our decisions. God's light comes in. It affects us and we become open to new sorrows, to new compassion, to new personal responsibility, to new longings, to sympathy and joy and rest and contentment, to trust. Often when we're sent out to wash, we stumble on our way, we're confused, but when we come back, we begin to gain our sight. And we can say things honestly like, I don't know how to parent very well. I don't know how to love this broken person. I don't know how to cross boundaries. I don't know how to fix racial injustice. I don't know the path to joy. I don't know how to forgive him. 
for her or myself. I just don't know if I can even see Jesus. It's like, I can't see, Lord. Or I see men like trees walking. May we be with this blind man able to say, I don't know everything, but I was blind. And now I'm starting to see. Paul says, now we see only a reflection in the mirror, but then we will see face to face. I know only a little bit now, but then I will know fully, even as right now I'm already fully known by God. What will you begin to see in the mirror? What will you begin to see in God's world? What will you see in one another? If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all of our sin. That means we help each other see God more fully. That like this blind man, we become refractions, we become prisms, we become the colorful coats and dappled things and beaming smiles and embrace and welcome. Sometimes it's only the church who will see the good in you, see the God in you. Others only see what you were, or they question your growth, your experience, your godliness, God's power. We begin to think, I don't know where he is. But again, we are to see God working because Jesus is the light of the world. As soon as Jesus announces that the Father has given him authority to judge, to see the world rightly, he had just told him that, everyone wants to put him on trial. God the judge shows up and humans want to put him on trial. And though we deserve the darkness of the cross, Jesus takes it up that we may have resurrection light. Though we were blind, he dies, is raised again in order that we might see and live even now. I close with the words of Helen Keller. She said this, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight, but no vision. May God open our eyes to the glory of Christ and his work the goodness of this world, may we be filled with his light this morning and beyond so that we can see where to go, what to do, and who we are in him. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.